Hello. Welcome to a new week. Hello, Juice. Hello. Hello, Maxi Boy. What are we talking about today? Oof, today is one of my favorite topics and one of the hardest topics. Uh, and I'm probably going to talk forever about it, so you have to stop me sometime. <laughs> <laughs> it's about game design uh, and the misconception of what game design is in the indie game dev, dev community, I would say. Okay, nice. Um... Yeah, so... Let me just start off with uh, telling people what game design isn't. Uh, there are a lot of people out there who I think are pretty funny. I mean, everyone is a newbie at some point. Uh, but there are a lot of people thinking that the an, a game idea will make you rich, right? There are a lot of idea guys out there saying, hey, I got the best idea. This will make us a lot of money. Please come work for me uh, for free and you will have you will get the the share of the income later on. Yeah. And that in and of itself is really like kind of funny and tells people that you're pretty inexperienced in the game dev industry. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, I think everybody hopes for that million dollar idea when they create their game. Uh I think. Yeah, so, right. Yeah. I mean, everyone must be a be a unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, but but it's rightfully so because, like, I I read in an in an article that now so the gaming industry is huge. It's probably somewhere around thirty percent of the world's population, and I mean, in number of players. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, um, and. Apparently in 2016, I don't have any more recent numbers, but that was worth about 88 billion dollars. So, it, yeah, I I mean, people do kind of, I guess, imagine that. Well, you know, it's it's such a such a big industry. I I need to take a, a part of it, and I'll make millions if I have a great idea. I think uh, I actually did some research uh, previous year. I can't remember the the number of. Uh, for the game industry, but I think it was something about. Yeah, I'm not gonna throw it out there. It's just a guess by now. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember it. Yeah, but it is a huge industry anyway. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah. Um. So yeah, le let's go into what game dev or I mean game design actually is and what a game designer does. And uh, for those who are just new to this, it's. Uh, it's actually going into a lot of things, a lot of topics. A game designer is what I see the third leg of game dev. You have the programmers, you have the 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 artists, uh, which also includes sound, uh, in my case, um, uh, and also the game designer. And the game designer is all about designing the game, not only from a an art style or a, one game mechanic. It also has to be. Uh, levels and world buildings and the interfaces and gameplay and mechanics and you know you need to be able to shout out the which audience is your actual target audience or uh, and those kinds of things uh, all of that and a lot more is is what game design is all about and one of the things that I one of the reasons why we're talking about game design today is because I am prototyping one of uh, my, my next game, and I was thinking in terms of level design and how I was how I want to add a bit of depth to 
to the gameplay and how I could like ease the player into the game and what it's all about while still keeping the prototype pretty simple and understandable so that I can go off to to publishers and, and tell them, hey, this is what the game is about and this is what it's supposed to be doing um, without actually giving a tutorial on you do this first and then you do that. Later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a that's a really interesting aspect because I know, um, you know, for uh, which was the latest Zelda Breath of the Wild, right? For the Switch. Yeah. Uh, true. I read that they uh, they did this uh, game design thing where they were running the the game in two D or something like that. It was mostly like. Pixel. Uh, yeah, like old school two D. Yeah, pixel, they they didn't want to spend. Zelda. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They didn't want to spend too much on the graphics part. They just wanted to know if the game concept would work. So they they did all the logic and and all the like you said game design basically with um, how the game is supposed to work, how the player understands and interacts with the game and all those aspects. They just did them in 2D because it was uh, it doesn't require as much implementation to start with. Um Yeah, you can just basically have boxes, right? Yeah, and change colors depending on what state you're in. Yeah, from from what I from my, what I read when I read that article was uh, was about that. That was, I mean, it was the most basic, most simple thing that they could come up with just to test if the game would work. Uh, yeah, yeah, they they even added some some concepts uh, conceptualizations in terms of um, naming. It wasn't really just about gameplay they also had these marketability kind of features where they said that it was a uh, what was it um it was called something in terms of uh explosive gameplay or oh, exponential yeah. gameplay or something like that yeah where yeah. you could just do one thing in one way and then go back and do it in a different way and all of a sudden you have like three or four different possibilities which exponentially grew into a lot of other things depending on what what items you could find or whatever thing you were interactive with yeah yeah but i mean i mean that's that's a good way for um i thought it was a very smart way of of starting off with a game design and not just start off with the most complicated thing uh and you know include the graphics and everything else and then just realize that wait a minute the game actual game design doesn't really work it's not a it's not a fun game to play uh, yeah yeah and in terms of uh, zelda um it is a game that is i mean it it has been around for quite some time it's a franchise so the game designers have to constrain themselves themselves within the world of zelda right you don't you can't all of a sudden just make a car game with link for whatever reason <laughs> you you can but <laughs> yeah. you could probably do it yeah <laughs> but uh, i mean you you already have you already have the topic and the storyline ish uh, in place you just have to fit in the new game within that storyline within that creative circle uh, yeah yeah which is kind of different in in, in regards to i think sid myers uh, was the guy who like turned things around whenever he created a game he made a game about about a topic he was thinking in terms of topics first before actually thinking in terms of games um 
for instance, if you want to if you wanted to create a game in terms of, uh, say, you want to make a railroad game, right? Yeah. Uh, and you're saying that, hey, I want to have a, an FPS game in a railroad setting. Well, that basically says for everyone else that you just want a game that fits in within the FPS genre. You're, you're thinking in terms of genre instantly. Uh, and whenever you do that, you constrain yourself and like challenge the the well-known FPS games yeah. just from the startup. In, in, but what he does, or what he thinks, how he thinks, is that he is thinking in terms of topics first. I want to create a game about railroads. So how can I bring the, the concept of a railroad to life? Uh, it doesn't have to be an FPS. It could be like a, strat- a strategic turn-based game. That could probably be better. Um, yeah, so, so in going back to what we talked about Zelda there, you already have something in place. And yeah, yeah, that's right. They're not they're not as free to choose what the game exactly. will be like, and of course, you do have your already developed characters from from before. So there are some you have, I would say, a lot of constraints actually. But of yeah. course, you can develop the game like they did with new types of gameplay, and the graphics will evolve as, as well, of course. But you still have that realm you have that story you have those constraints so if you want to create a zelda game then you kind of need to keep in otherwise the fans and the target audience won't won't be the you know the target audience in in that case if you change a lot of things exactly Uh, and i mean one of the things that zelda the zelda game is just super cool i mean players have played them for millions of years basically (laughs) yeah (laughs) before the time started um (laughs) But I was one of those guys, and when the game took a turn into the open world kind of genre, um, I just had to put it away. It was so, it was really boring uh, for me. And that is, maybe I didn't give it too much time either. Didn't I wasn't wasn't really getting in the flow of the game because there are some things as a game designer you have to consider. Like there there are some people I can remember. Uh, some really smart people out there who have made some really cool graph, which is saying uh, on the, on the one hand you have challenge, and on the other hand you have the ability or skill level required for for the game. And if you have too much, if it's too challenging for the player, it's just getting frustration, uh, frustrating. And if it's too little challenging, uh, well, you're just getting bored. Yeah. And for me, both of them were kind of going on at the same time because they're <laughs> they <laughs> there hit things, both spots yeah <laughs> exactly both, both negative parts there were like <laughs> pressed at the same time those buttons were like uh, one of the things I really didn't like uh, which was really bad for Zelda's series in 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 my view is the, the breakable items and breakable uh, weapons yeah. system that they had yeah that was really just frustrating. It really didn't add anything for me as a player to be able to like have things go break as soon as you were in a in a new battle. Yeah, that's it true. Really, it was really bad for me, uh, and also taking me from place from from the point A to point B was really really slow. 
and that added to the boredom kind of a thing. It was, I mean, uh, it wasn't a challenging part to get from A to B. It was just, it took a lot of time for no reason. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, it, I, I have the same experience because I, I bought it uh, with the Nintendo Switch when the Nintendo Switch released and uh, played oh. it. And I thought, you know, it was very, very cool. I mean, the concept of the Nintendo Switch and being able to bring your Zelda with you everywhere you know portability stuff or you can dock it to the to the tv and the graphics of it were awesome and and really really nice but i have to agree with this breakability of items i i didn't really like it at all to be honest it, it was nah it wasn't for me i i felt just like you said that it was it didn't bring much to the game i didn't feel that well you know this breakability stuff really is a game changer um and it it also like you said kind of it prolongs the game in an unhealthy way it's not you know it's not immersing me more into the game or or has that that function either so it feels uh feels uh that they they could have left that stuff out to be honest yeah and i'm kind of like uh not only confused but annoyed that this thing wasn't turning up in the beta tests or in the concept phase testing or whatever that no one pointed this out because there, are, there there's been a lot of talk about just this thing here uh the breaking the breaking stuff there are a lot of people annoyed by it there yeah. is probably just as many who like breaking stuff too <laughs> i mean <laughs> if you could break stuff why not <laughs> right yeah yeah it's just a game yeah uh you, you talked about something there that was really that was touching on the subject uh you, you talked about there are different kinds of uh players out there yeah and we as game developers we tend to compartmentalize having some kind of like personified version of a player and there are different models for it um one of the most um one that works for for mmo rpgs uh, or has done in 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 way way back uh, was one of the uh, Ritual Bartle, I think it was called model, mm -hmm. uh, which was basically taking every player and putting them into four boxes: achievers, explorers, socializers, and killers. And you, to me, are definitely a killer, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> the the achievers it's just those it's those guys who really like to vigorously go out into the game and like get whatever achievement there is out there every trophy there is out there um they just want to show off that hey look at this uh, i'm so cool yeah i've done this uh the explorers on the other hand they they like going around the world and like explore and breaking the game and see what you can do if you can kill them in an npc uh, if you hit him just a million times, yeah. Uh, do you remember the times where we played uh, Lineage Two? Yeah. Do you remember there were those guys who, whenever you went to the inventory or to the uh, uh, to the bank, there were those who always were hitting the NPCs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it was in the beginning where where players. I mean, when uh, NCSoft didn't know this their NPCs died. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That was really funny. Um, so that, that was something that they fixed pretty easy, pretty, pretty quickly. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, then you have the socializers who really like just to play the games in order to just socialize with people. Uh, and there are a lot of um, good things coming out of it. I know there was some, there was one guy who was disabled, um, who was really having a hard time in in the real life. But whenever he was on the on the, uh, I think it was Warcraft, World of Warcraft mm. um, game, the, the 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 players had a huge amount of respect to him, uh, for him, and all the things that he did, and he was like respected member of the of the community. Oh yeah, that was really nice. Yeah, it was really nice. Uh, it's a cool story. Uh, long story short, uh, he died, and his parents really didn't know uh, that the uh, the time he spent online was something that was really something that he not only loved, but it, 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 he was respected for it being there. He could be himself, and that he had this huge community behind him. Yeah. Um, they even gave, came to his. Uh, Ceremony. What is it? The uh, uh, funeral. I mean, yeah. Funeral. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so the parents were really, oh shit. Uh, so they started off a, a game fund for people like him. It was oh, a really cool, cool story, touching yeah. story. Yeah. Yeah, really cool. I mean, because we we uh, we game when we game together, you and me, we we all we always do it for the social part mostly. Because I mean. We're not like the world's best players at any game, or so you're not doing it for the competition in that sense. It's more of a socializing thing for us. We we uh, and at and uh, in these Corona times as well, you get this uh, this chance to just sit and talk. And of course, I mean while we're playing, because now we're we're playing a lot of Valorant, and it's a co- competitive game. So while we're playing with do like to win of course and we aim to win but it's the social part that feels like we're having fun together and all that and i think it's uh, it's like that for many players uh, out there that that they play online games to socialize with others and belong to a community and you know because in in a game you can be whoever you want to be um you might have like you said about this guy you might have a tough time in in real life but um at the same time you could you could have your gaming community that those guys have the same interests as you and they uh they play the same games as you uh, and you're respected within that community so that gives you a, a sense of belonging to to a certain community and and that's very important i think yeah and that's all thanks to a really good game design exactly. I mean, if you would have if you had the uh, world of warcraft being a crappy design somewhere people would probably not play that uh, i mean the 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 community has gone from something that was like a classic MMORPG to a more full-fledged MMORPG to basically Blizzard splitting the game into two, right? There's yeah. this uh, classic yeah. called, I think Vol- it was called. Vol- classic, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the one that's more for, for the hardcore uh, fans out there that were that, that basically evolved with the game. Yeah, now that you mentioned that, um, <clears throat> I have to say I I, um, I was online with some uh, some friends a while back, and they were uh, they were big World of Warcraft uh, players back in the day, and then I think they were still playing. Um, I don't know which expansion they're at right now, to be honest. But um, and then when uh, WoW Classic came out, they uh, I can't remember if they started playing that, but some of them did, I think. 
But I think in in terms of game design, Blizzard might have made um, some mistakes there because in WoW Classic, I don't know how they plan to move it forward. What I've heard is that now the players, most players have already done everything that they could do in the game. So now they're just uh, some players, at least not all players. We shouldn't include all people in that. But now they're just making others' um, uh, experience worse because they're uh, since they have oh, the best so gear. And, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, since they have the best gear, they're waiting for new players at certain spots and killing them and, you know, stuff like that. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it feels kind of like a miss for, for some reason. I don't know. They, I don't think they... The, maybe it's in the pipeline i have no idea but it feels like you bring up this classic game which is back to you know the first game they they launched and uh, a lot of players were requesting that because they liked those days and uh, so on and so on um but then you know it's it's like um how do you go forward you ha you need to kind of move the game forward at least when it comes in terms of achieving everything you can achieve in the game. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that is true. Um, that would be interesting to see how they were, how they're going to tackle that and how, what the actual plan was from the beginning. Uh, why did they go back? Do you know that? Well, I think there were a lot of players that requested it. They didn't like, or some players didn't like the, the expansion thing. Um, they were all, like wanting wanting to go back to the to the early days and they couldn't um and and in in that uh, sense they released wow classic which is basically the first world of warcraft release um but yeah in 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 that sense you can never move the game forward if you want to keep it in that bubble then you have to do stuff specifically for that game new raids or you know new classes or changes to classes new items because that's i mean that's how they move the game forward in the regular world of warcraft they introduce an expansion you could grind more levels you could get new gear there were new raids available a new plot twist to the to the overall story and stuff like that so they were moving the game forward and now with wow classic it's like well you know you you're already saying it's classic but how do you move it forward um because it's an online game so at some point, everybody will be able to achieve, uh, like you said, you split them into boxes and a lot of people maybe are achievers and want to achieve everything because World of Warcraft is that type of game. You you want the best gear, right? You want to do the best quests and all that. You, at the same time, you want to explore the world, but you know, more, more, a lot of people focus on the gear part uh, and the, the, the doing the raid part and, and all that stuff. Um, so when you've done that, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing left really. Um, yeah. so I don't know. I think it's going to be hard for Blizzard to move it forward, to be honest. Uh, I mean, at least without creating, they have to create some new content for the, for the game. Could also be something just to shut people up. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. Here you have it here. Take it. Yeah. Uh, and then they don't do anything with it. They yeah. just focus on the, on the actual World of Warcraft game. Yeah, true. I mean, it's because um, every online game I see, like I, I played a lot of Destiny 2 and Destiny 2 moves forward exactly like it has exactly the same 
game design model as World of Warcraft. It's a different. It's an FPS uh, MMO RPG, but um, it's still moving the game in the same way. You get new power levels. Uh, you get new gear. You get these different seasons. They have what that's what they call them, um, and you can do different challenges. And then as you move the power level forward, you give give the player an intent incent to. Uh, level up all the time and grind and do stuff and then they release new raids which are higher power levels and so on and so on so it's like a pattern for most online games that they, they're moving forward that way otherwise you know at, at the end of the day you do everything that you can do and then there's no real purpose in continuing to play the game because there's nothing more to achieve um, yeah but in terms of game design, you were you said that they're basically the same game design model. I gotta disagree with you on that one. Yeah, but sure. I'll, let's I'll agree to disagree. <laughs> uh, what I wanted to say was, um, even though they have the same kind of up package deal, um, you still have probably story out there. Oh yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. So even though they're, I mean, they. The, the content just gets there in in terms of assets and bosses and whatever they're still they're still adding to the story yeah and of that course is, yeah. that is also a part of the game design yeah yeah that's so there, true there are a lot of people who like just want to engulf themselves in the in the lore of a game uh, i myself i like the league of legends lore uh, so i've been uh, even though i haven't really uh, read up on the uh, the latest ones, uh, it's still it's still really cool to get the feel of a character and the backstory. Why is the character saying these things in within the game? Uh, my one, my favorite character has been Diana for a long time, and she's one of those characters who has the most boring in-game <laughs> um, interaction with you. Basically, her her laugh is her. <laughs> 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 that is basically it. Just <laughs> and and uh, when you choose her, I think they she said uh, something. I oh, know one of her taunts is they they called me a heretic. Now they are dead, mm-hmm. uh, cool. and that just hints on the character. Doesn't really say anything about the uh, the gameplay or whatever, uh, but it hints on what her skills are. And why she's uh, a Lunari, which is basically saying someone who worships the moon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and her skills are based on things that resemble the moon. Like her, her Q is a crescent moon. Her E is a full moon. Well, not nowadays. Uh, now her E was the previous alt. Uh, so the alt has changed place. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which was really annoying, by the way, from a game design uh standpoint when they reworked my favorite character yeah. uh because the the memory the muscle memory that you have in your in in your fingers just totally dis- disappears there uh, you misclick a lot you do a lot of mistakes because of that because uh, everything is microsecond uh reactivity there uh and when they just move skills around that's just yeah, annoying. Don't do yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. If you're a game designer, if you're a game designer, please don't do it. 
don't just change stuff like that core aspects of the game yeah yeah or yeah. some characters or yeah some, some character yeah no i uh, i agree i agree i mean it's it's a lot of lore in destiny 2 as well it's it's and and they're adding to the story just like you say so in that in that or in that sense it's it's different yeah yeah uh, and also for for the as a uh, in terms of player progression uh, i mean you destiny 2 is more of a skill based game right than world of warcraft yeah yeah you can say that yeah it's more a reaction it's more strategic uh, in terms of oh you got to go there do this oh cover me i'm going in and whatever yeah, no, there, I'm just, yeah, I'm just speculating yeah. because I haven't really played Destiny two that much. No, it's uh, it's uh, the the raids are uh, very very challenging. That's what I like about them, and I think I they're very similar to um, World of Warcraft raids in in the sense that you need a well coordinated team uh, to complete them, and it does require people you know splitting up and doing different parts to achieve a common goal. So you have to split up to to two people do this because it's a six-man raid all the time and two people have to do one thing while two people do another thing and two people do a third thing um, to yeah. achieve something. And at some at some parts, you can do everything together at, as a team. Sometimes you need to split up. And I, I really like the concept. It's very, very fun. That's what keeps it uh, still. I mean, you could, you could do the same raid a bunch of times, uh, but it's still fun in some way. It becomes easier and easier, of course, as you practice them. But um, it's a lot of problem solving and puzzling and stuff. So it's it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, but there there you have it. The because you play the raids over and over, and you like get the gist of how a raid is supposed to go. You, as a player, develop a new set of skills, so you can find the patterns much easier. So next time there is a Destiny three, you kind of remember. Oh, okay. This is a, there's a button somewhere. Uh, probably we should probably find it, yeah, uh, or whatever. So, so you as a puzzle solver uh, have this player progression in place, yeah, which evolves over time. It isn't really within the game uh, set. You don't really get anything in terms of a curve or hey, now you've gone this far because you did you solved seventy percent of a puzzle. Mm -hmm. Maybe you do. I don't know. No, no, you uh, don't. You don't. So you don't really get anything tangible in terms of like progressive progression. Like in League of Legends, for instance, you you see that, hey, I have a level six character because I've played with my character so much. I know that I have this uh, I have a skill rating of basically not just playing the character, but also performing better than uh, what is expected. Yeah, yeah. And there there you have the there is a clean uh, player progression kind of a feedback yeah yeah no it's a, it's a, it's a bit it's a bit different and as you said it's it's not giving you that that type of feedback um but you kind of know uh, uh as as a player and then you have your you know because you have you can have up to three main characters i think i, yeah. I don't think you can have more but um and it's it's very mmo based with different um uh, classes of of characters so there are three different classes that you can choose and they have their own skill set but it's it's like you say as well i mean i what i think from a game design perspective what what they did very very well is that um you kind of understand that there is a pattern 
but they you know they they do stick to the pattern in a, in different ways so all raids are very unique and very uh different but there is still a kind of a pattern there in terms of you know you're expected to to be able to cooperate as a team and split up and you're expected to solve different puzzles in different way but you know you know that there will be puzzles you know that they they you would will need to split up and you will need to solve uh, solve things in 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 different fashions and i think they did that very very well from a game design perspective because it, it's very different but somehow expected right so it's yeah. it's really nice um but i wanted to ask you so now that you're prototyping a new game and you're looking at game design so you have a clean slate because you start with that um yeah basically yeah so then what do you start with what's the first step actually i went for the uh the, the sid meyer version this time i wanted to create a game where where time and the environment would play an essential role in in the in the overall story arc and in the overall gameplay um i do have a lot of story in the background uh from way back whenever i when i first started off with the uh with my company emberwing uh i set out and created this storyline where there is there are a lot of races out there there are a lot of um uh, issues political issues um character based issues um time based issues mm-hmm. and all of those things i wanted to incorporate in my first game which i uh, unfortunately had to cancel because of various reasons uh but I took all of those assets so nothing is lost and pivoted towards this new game, which is this prototype that I'm okay. working on right now. And you, to, to answer your question, whatever I started, what I, want, what I wanted to start with was taking the concept, uh, I mean, the background story, and take a couple of those uh, characters and tell their story. I yeah, want okay. to make a, a story-based game where the character could be seen as both evil and uh, good, depends on your perspective, uh, and create an environment for you to have to choose between different kinds of characters. So, for instance, there is a there's a there are rooms out there that you can't pass. If you do, you get infected with something that I call uh, paranoia, Mm -hmm. which basically makes your character do weird shit. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Really fun, though. Um, Unless you play with a character that can enter a different realm where this this fog uh, isn't uh, placed there. Okay. So you have to choose either, either choose one of the characters that can remove this fog, or you could just uh enter a different realm completely okay so now, so uh, yeah. you, you you started with creating a universe for yeah, exactly. your game and then you chose out some time in this universe where the player is going to play as well i guess exactly mm-hmm. in the first game there was uh uh there's a war going on for uh, there's a battle for who taking over the 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 kingdom the king which was 
the king there uh, was backstabbed by his people because of various reasons. And because of that, there was a power void. And there were political things going on for quite some time. And they tried to remove uh, a lot of evil stuff from the world. Um, but because of because some people didn't like being forced into stuff, uh, there are a lot of things going on in the background. And an, an, a crystal, which was basically a weapon, uh, was destroyed. Uh, it can hold everything uh, within itself, so it exploded, basically. And everything that... Every living creature that has basically lived or is living right now that is touched by one of those shards uh, is either resurrected with this mega evil or just becomes corrupted, basically. Mm. Which is why the game is called Crystal Corruption. Yeah, yeah, that's Now the cool. king... Uh, thank you. Uh, now the king was hit by one of those shards and is resurrected. Within this new game, that's where you start off. Ah. You just start off exactly where, where uh, after that, uh, he learns that, oh, shit, some people have tried to take my country, uh, my land, tried to do something with it, but failed. Now I'll show them what success looked like. Yeah, well, uh, that's, that's cool. I think uh, that's a good tip for people starting out with uh, trying to develop a game to create a universe, because it gives your characters more depth. Uh, and it, it gives, gives a meaning, yeah. Yeah, and it's much easier to design after that as well. If you create, I mean, it. If you get a flow of you know where in the universe they actually belong, it's very, very, uh, very much easier to to create, you know, their personalities and, like you said, give them a meaning, and you know, decide okay, what type of game do I want? Do I want to to develop which fits in this universe and and all that? I mean, it's it's just much much easier, I think, from a game design perspective. Yeah, exactly. And taking that into consideration, uh, some of my characters uh, have specific mechanics uh, mechanics uh, that go with them. For instance, I have a, I have an alchemist. Uh, or alchemist? How do you pronounce it? Alchemist, I guess. I right? don't know. Yeah, maybe the uh, latter. Yeah, yeah. Um, and her backstory. There's a lot of backstory there, but she's basically an alchemist, which was hit by one of the shards, and she was experimenting with time, with time alchemy, for mm. some reason. Um, and since she did that, you could take her personality, her profession, and shove it up uh, so, uh, together with some other stuff and all of a sudden you have uh, skills that are time-based. You can throw potions that explode. You can throw potions that stop time in a certain area. You have uh, potions that uh, poison things uh, and remove poison, for instance. So there are a lot of things that you can play with there. Uh, and because of that, there's also a crafting system in my game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can craft things. Uh, you don't have to go to a vendor to, to buy this stuff. So whatever you loot you find, you can craft them together, just like any other uh, crafting kind of game. Yeah. But that is specific to one character because of her backstory. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's They're much easier to explain her skill set and why she does things the way she does because she belongs in this universe and there are exactly. some set rules. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And another bonus uh, because of that is you could play the, the same level over and over but with different characters and find that you solve the same puzzle in different ways. Yeah, yeah. And that's really Which cool. Is also, uh, and that is also something that you need to let the player do. Everything comes back back to the player as a choice, right? You want you want to get the give the player a state of flow, a state of immersion, yeah. where there is there are different kinds of immersion, yeah. not only like skill based, but you want we want them to be immersed in like strategic thinking, or uh, you need to the player to be invested in the story for some reason. Uh, I myself, I really like story. I, I really love. A game that has a story gives <laughs> me as a player more reason to play. Like Valorant, there is really not much story out there, right? Uh, yeah, not that I know of, no. Yeah, there's no official story anyway. But there are a lot of things that hint uh, on something. Uh, for instance, there is one level, I think it was Bind. Um, if, you, if, you, if you just look behind you when you spawn, uh, when you're counter-terrorist. Uh, you see there are a lot of trucks out there with a lot of boxes. Yeah, The boxes uh, seem to be radiant radionite, like processed radionite. And the radionite seems to be uh, this material that can some way terraform the, ca- the, the, the planet. Yeah. Um, if you go to Haven, for instance, you can see that whatever uh, just behind you, where you spawn, um, when you're on the defender side, you see that there's a raid knight bo- box uh, mm-hmm. behind you, and there are a lot of uh, cliffs that have been terraformed behind you. Yeah, yeah. Or in ascent, there is a time has just stopped there. So there are a lot of things that hint on there is a backstory somewhere, but there is none out there officially yeah and well, that is, that is I intriguing guess, for me. yeah i guess that you know they they went out and um and did the same thing that you did that they did create this universe and then place these characters in this universe and even though uh, you know there's not much lore that we know about or or anything like that they still create the characters according to their universe so they fit in the universe and there are a lot of things, like you said, that you wonder about, at least if you're a lore-interested person, uh, then it kind of triggers your imagination, your mind, and you want to know more and stuff like that. Um, yeah, exactly. Because um, I read this very interesting article about immersion, because you mentioned it. It was on uh, GameCareerGuide.com. I use, I hang out there a lot and, and check out different articles. Because they they do have some really interesting, uh, really, really interesting articles that I do like a lot. Um, And they kind of, they split it into four parts. Um, Yeah. And they they called one systems immersion, which is um, when a player is deeply engaged in the mechanics of the game. Uh, You know, challenges and rules of the game. So, like you said, this state of flow that you're... Yeah, and that isn't... uh, That isn't touching on the mechanics as in terms of skill-based mechanics. It's just like systems within the game. 
Is that yeah, what you're saying? Yeah, and yeah, okay. it, it can be, you know, yeah, challenges that you have to overcome this thing and this thing or solve a puzzle or something like that. Yeah, okay. Um, and um, the second one was, uh, I have it in my notes, I think, a spatial, spatial immersion. It's like the sense of a player being present in belonging in that virtual world. You know, you know when you play yeah, a yeah. really cool game and you feel like that you're there. Um, it's, it's like uh, in the uh, what is it, um, The Last of Us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's like an mm. embodiment feeling that you set yourself in the place of that character, experiencing yeah. those things. And if you, a lot of horror games actually have that embodiment feeling because we're kind of as humans drawn to that. Um, and then you feel like, whoa, I'm I'm really there. And I think VR does a good job of that as well because there's a like an, another level to that type of spatial immersion because it is yeah. showing you a spatial thing. Um, and then um, you touched on this as well, like uh, empathic or social immersion. That was the third type where it's, it describes the connection, the player's connection to uh, the characters. Um, you get deeply involved, sentimental with those characters and you know you want some to survive, you want some to to die you hate some you you know that all that that social context of the game um and then um the fourth one was the sequential immersion or narrative immersion which was um you know the players um what do you call it compulsion to uh to see how the sequence of events continues like it's like it's a cliffhanger you you have to play to know what what happens next um, yeah so those those were the four types i i, I thought i was a really interesting read on immersion because i never thought of it that way uh i yeah. just thought well you know you're immersed <laughs> you're you're there <laughs> you're playing you're the game. Or not. yeah, yeah. Let, let me ask you a question that as a follow-up um this was something that was really interesting for me i had the same same kind of experience but with the word fun or play let's just let's start with play first okay. what is play can you can you say can you define what play is? And by the way, there are three words that that I had really like. Yeah. They they were really scratching me somewhere I really couldn't <laughs> reach. <laughs> well, yeah, um, that's an interesting question. Play. Yeah. yeah. What is I, play? And the second one is what is a game? And third, uh, what is fun? Oh, damn! Those are hard. I play. I I uh, I feel like you know play is having fun. But then you ask me about fun. <laughs> <laughs> so what is fun? It's like, well, yeah, damn, those are those are really hard. And then a, a game. I guess a game is. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I, I mean. <laughs> there are people out there way more smarter smarter than we are um having an issue with actually coming up with a real good definition of what it is yeah because um, what is game is it a puzzle is it you know it can be so many things yeah um, solving a problem or you know yeah it's it's very hard to to define i did actually in uh, um what is it uh, a lecture on this previously Okay. And there, there is one that I really, really like, uh, which is saying that um, 
a game is a is a set of rules set within uh I'm sorry I'm not, I, I can't really remember it <laughs> I have to go back to it time and time again but it's basically a set of rules that have uh that are expected to be followed by a player or players within a confined space uh with given challenges and a certain goal ah okay basically. yeah uh Makes which sense. is really yeah <laughs> I, that's not really exactly how how the definition goes but still i mean when i heard these this discussion the first time i was like of course it's really easy to have i mean define a game a game is something that you play okay what is play uh well you have fun and you do whatever you want to do yeah so if you do whatever you want to do um does that mean that you could play chess and just move your chess board around? Is that okay? Then yeah, you yeah. realize that hey, no, that that's not okay. So okay, there is a set defined rule. There's a rule set there that you have to follow. Um, and then all of a sudden, then is that really fun? Then and you can have fun <laughs> watching someone else play something, right? So if you don't play, can you still have fun? And if you don't have fun can you still play and yeah. there were like a lot of different weird um discussions that i had with myself and yeah. i just came up with the solution don't yeah but that's... Up with the solution. <laughs> 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 yeah but that's very interesting because it's i mean game development is a lot uh or game design sorry it's a lot about psychology as well, right? Yeah. I mean, you you have to think about these things. How is the player having fun, and how is this, is the player experiencing the game right now? I think that's it. Must be a big part of game design um, because we all experience things differently. So how do you make a universal thing? And it's it's also I don't know if it's something that um game designers are um actually want or not maybe maybe it's a bit of both but i was thinking the need to explain rules of the game or should they be self-explanatory what what do you prefer um definitely the second one you want the player to be able to find out uh, themselves uh, because you don't want to be told how to do stuff it's more fun to find out yourself it's more yeah. skills there are more skills involved with finding out yourself and actually getting to realize like hey i can do this and uh, that in and of itself is fun yeah 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 i agree so, uh, but that's the most tricky thing to do as well uh, yeah it is really hard and one of the problems with uh, with the game that i created was that I had one prototype level, uh, right? I was it was really full fledged. Uh, it had all of the mechanics that I wanted to have, but the players were supposed to play the game, where there was no experience previously. Yeah, they had no, they had no idea of what to be, what was expected of them, uh, and that was one of the problems that I had to solve, um, which I later on just put on the shelf <laughs> yeah but yeah because if you're if you want to create a game that's not 
well, it's it's not really belonging to any specific genre. Then yeah. then it's it's much harder to do those things because if it's an FPS, you know, okay, so I point and I shoot, and all FPSs kind of have a standard button mapping, and you know, you have different weapons, and you can have futuristic weapons or whatever, but you know, you still have those weapons, and you take those boxes, and if you're creating an uh, massively multiplayer online um, game, then then you're gonna have these things. But if you're creating something that is in itself new, then it's it's bound to be harder. Just as you said, because there's no previous experience, so it's it's very tricky from a game design perspective to uh, uh, make the players exactly. understand those things by themselves. And also, um, it's uh, it's very very. Um, very very tricky uh, to kind of categorize the game so the player knows what they what they're playing so you have to create kind of your own genre or something yeah. yeah and that is one of the thing reasons why i don't think genres work many times um i have i was listening to a game designer or no game analyst in uh, here in Intrepping. he was he's one of the great ones who said that uh Gacha mechanics, you know the uh, loot boxes. Yeah, we're uh, we're getting that they're probably going to get here uh, soon enough. Uh, he said that like ten years ago when he saw some some games in Japan having some real good traction because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was he was talking about this uh, crap. I forgot the uh, I dropped the ball there. What were we talking about? The gacha mechanics. Yeah, but before that. Uh, about the game design and a new genre? Oh, yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was talking about, he was saying that the genre definitions don't really work because say that you have an FPS, but it is actually a puzzle game. You just use your uh, FPS uh, view to yeah. solve puzzles. Is that an FPS game or is it a puzzle game? Yeah. So yeah. what people have done is, they they create subgenres. So there is a it's an FPS puzzle game. Yeah. But if it's an FPS puzzle game, is that just a puzzle? Uh, is it an FPS that in, it tell that that just says that the FPS puzzle game is an FPS game? So a subgenre of the FPS genre. So that already breaks and cuts off a lot of players that potentially could be interested in the game. Yeah, yeah. So you're just having you're just setting names to something that you don't that it's not really there. Uh, it's probably better to just say a puzzle solving game in first person view. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's basically the same. It's it's the same thing, but with different kinds of words that are not standardized by the game, uh, the game industry. Yeah. FPS games, uh, etc. Yeah. I agree. It's it's always hard when you try to box in things like in square boxes. You belong here or you belong here because game this des- game design is not a an exact science. All games will be unique in their own way. So yeah, it just feels you know weird that you have to say well it's a it's a FPS subcategory puzzle. Not, yeah, exactly. But it's kind of not. But still, there are. Yeah, that you're just confusing do. your your players, yeah. I would say. Yeah, so then and, it's just I mean, if you if you say that that it's an FPS game, 
the first thing that comes to mind is shooting people, right? Yeah. Yeah. But say, what is that called? Uh, Portal. Oh, is yeah. That, is that an FPS game? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, I, right? I don't, I don't like the, the shooter part of the FPS. It, it can be... You know, because it's it's kind of I don't know. It's it's weird if you're saying you know it's a first person shooter. It can be an FP game, a first person <laughs> game. It's like because it's bound. It's kind of related to the view, the view the, the view, player exactly. games gets. It's it's weird because it's not actually related to the game. It's like it's, exactly. Yeah, so it's weird. So it's not it's not a shooter game. It's just a first person view. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you were talking about these uh, these boxes um, that you have different type of players and and different type of of that. Um, oh yeah, a, there are a lot of different kinds of. Uh, yeah, sorry. Um, now I was just wondering, do you when you do the game design, do you try to tick in all the boxes or some of the boxes, or how how do you go about that? Which players do you want to satisfy? Do you want to satisfy? Of course, you can't satisfy everyone, I guess. Um, Actually, you can, uh, okay. but you don't have to. You don't have to do it in in the same way for everyone. For instance, huh. um, League of Legends does it really well, um, and that's probably one of the reasons why uh, so many players play the game. For in in, if you're just talking about the the game before you actually get into the game, so the meta game, there are a lot of things that can. Uh, that exists out of the game in the game client before going into the game, basically showing off uh, whatever rank you have in the uh, in the ranking ladder. You have explorers that can. Uh, if you just go back to those to the Bartle model, which says achievers, explorers, socializers, and killers, mm -hmm. um, we have the achievers. They can show off their profile. True. Right, so yeah. whenever there was this new thing coming out to, uh, just a couple of months ago, or maybe just one or two months ago, uh, which was basically saying whenever you take down uh, five turrets, you get this flashy thing saying, hey, this guy just destroyed his fifth turret. And yeah, that's yeah. one of the things that achievers like. Mm -hmm. yeah. they, they, they get an achievement for it. But also killers, because whenever it's whenever a killer plays the game it's a really weird term saying a killer uh, mm -hmm. it's basically being better than the opponent but also showing off hey just look how good i am yeah yeah that's what it, that's what defines a killer yeah. it's not just they really like pvp they really like to go against other players and dominate them and just show them hey look at this and the same thing applies to that to to those players the the achievement thing that just pops out there mid mid game or whenever you get a triple kill quadra kill and then the penta kill they really just up up the volume from kill after kill right yeah and true. that's that's one way the killers like to show off the game yeah explorers yeah. within the game they really like to play jungles they really like to explore different kinds of mechanics they really try to find different kinds of interactions finding different paths through the jungle, um, different kinds of uh, combinations of skills. Yeah. Say, one of the most uh, easy to spot uh, is Brom and Lucian. 
-hmm. that's one way to to play bot lane because you can their interaction is really it's really straightforward yeah, yeah. the 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 passive of brom says that when you when you or your uh buddy hit for the fourth one on the enemy uh that enemy gets stunned and lucian's passive says that whenever you use a skill you get a double shot afterwards so the interaction there together there is really just something that most explorers already know because hey it's really easy to get there but there are some some there that are really huh didn't know that one yeah, uh, yeah. for instance if you if you take uh i think it was if you have syndra and thresh and thresh hooks the blue buff while syndra takes it up you can throw that uh, the blue buff and Thresh follows it and Thresh uh-huh. can throw, throw out a lamp and all of a sudden you have this really weird mechanic thing that no one really expects because th- those things are the explorer's thing. They really like those kinds of mechanics. Yeah, yeah. Way back in early days of League of Legends, you could flash just before he, uh, Blitzcrank would, use, uh, would hit his uh, hook, right? Yeah. And you had this, um, the the hook became longer. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, and the socializer, it's just it's a so- social game. I mean, you play five v five. You really, you really do play together versus each other. Yeah. So. Yeah, well, I mean, that's good to know. I was wondering about that. It's if if you're trying to tick all the boxes um, and satisfy all the players. Of course you want to, but I was just wondering if it's possible. And uh, that was a really it good is. explanation. Yeah, It is yeah. Uh, possible. And it's also desired because you want more people to play it. Because you don't want... I mean, if you have, in this model, four kind of players, uh, and you disregard one of them, one of those, that's basically yeah. 25% of the, the, the player base. Yeah, that's true. Uh, give or take. Yeah. And those people will probably just give you a bad review. And if you have one bad review, you know, that could lead to lead up to a lot of yeah. uh, bad reviews. So Yeah, and it's it's like you said, you don't want to you don't want to exclude any people from actually enjoying your game. You want as many people as possible to enjoy your game. Um, exactly. And and, and that is also one it. of the reasons why uh, Valorant is so good, because there are different kinds of characters. Yeah, that's true. And you yeah. have these really useless things, the bodies that you can put on the weapons. Yeah. Some people really like those, but in and of themselves, they really don't do much, right? It's yeah. just for visual uh, for visual representation. Yeah, it's like you say, it satisfies that achiever mentality uh, that exactly. players can show off their bodies. And of course, there's there's a there's another thing where um you um you pick up somebody else's weapon and you can see oh he has this buddy right it's, yeah exactly it's kind of so that, it's, that thing you just start to talk about those things so you, all of a sudden you have this socializing uh mechanic yeah yeah because true. it wasn't really something that they put in there because they want people to talk about it's just something that there there are some there's a certain type of people that really enjoys having those customizations there yeah yeah well, nice. Well, uh, I think I think we hit. We're past the one hour mark. Uh, it was a great talk, actually. 
yeah we can talk way more <laughs> yeah yeah it's a really cool topic and you know games we love them we hate them but they were made for us to enjoy yeah yeah true true and and it was a very interesting insight about this i didn't know about these stuff with the with the different types of players i never thought about it so that was really really nice to know and i hope that people that are listening have uh, have gotten something from it as well i hope um yeah 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 definitely i mean there's a lot more than where this came from yeah, but it's uh, kind of a booster or a starter for exactly. them to think in those exactly. in those uh, in those terms. Yeah, yeah. Great. There's a lot of uh, history and biology and uh, psychology um, that people can get into. Yeah, thanks to yeah. games. Yeah, it's a lot of that. We, I, I, I felt that it was um, as as a game designer, you have to think in those terms uh, a lot. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And yeah. thank you, Maxi Boy, for this discussion. It was very cool. Yeah, thank you for sharing. Uh, thank you, Juice. It was uh, really nice to hear that that insight, actually. And I hope that everybody else enjoys it as, was, as well. And uh, I guess we'll see you next week, then. Yeah, bye-bye. Yeah. Bye-bye.